And now, Nostalgia Pod brings you an interview with the most amazing sculptor ever to live, Erwin Papa. That works. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. It's good to hear from you. We haven't spoken in a while. I think the last time I saw you was what, Decon? Yeah, Decon last year at uh, whose booth was that? Boo Botcher's booth. Yes. And um, since then, you have been very busy with a lot of mural paintings and art exhibits and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Long Beach, we uh, just had two shows for uh, Hello Welcome. It's a, a group of artists uh, primarily based in Long Beach. The shows are based in Long Beach. Uh, we did our first show in January. Uh, you know, I feel like we we kind of dug into the story of Erwin Papa at the uh, disastrous panel at Decon. But um, that was just such a shit show. And I think I cut you off every time you said anything at all out of a fear of the show going further south. Um, so I think this is a, a nice second chance to kind of get the Erwin Papa story. Um, oh and we can start, I think, with influences, because you touched on that a little bit during the panel. So as a artist and as a toy designer, what were sort of the most influential things you encountered uh as a kid um, as far as toys it was uh i think as far as toys like even still now it's always been transformers and uh but when i was a kid it was uh, he-man and uh, i think another big one was uh, ninja turtles like i had a bunch of those figures and even though there was they were basically just uh five points of articulation the sculpt and design like always got me i would always pick them up and i would just like stare at it how do these you know people did it you know sculpt that stuff and design it. and then later on when i was a teenager going to uh san diego my cousins were uh, my biggest influences and they would always show me the stuff that they were into and whatever they were into i was into and like the, the biggest ones were uh katsuya tarada mm-hmm. uh yusushi Nirasawa, and takayuki takeya like those are the big three yeah and it's a holy trinity they did like that oh yeah definitely and everyone looks up to takeya everyone looks up to uh near uh Sawa, right. even in the uh special effects uh industry yeah so like always uh you mean specifically like zerum and um i the guy was he involved in the guyver movies at all the u.s ones uh no that was steve wang but even steve wang was like even though i don't know if he if he would admit it but i've never heard him say it but he's he's definitely uh, influenced yeah there's no question yeah yeah definitely because I think if you look at early uh, Steve Wang stuff, it's a little more uh, Americanized uh, version of the uh, sure. the creature organic aesthetic. But once the Kia came in, it got a little bit more. Uh, Steve Wang got a little bit more uh, organic. Yeah, I mean they those guys cast a a large shadow over. Um, you know, I, I think it's 
it's very generation specific. You know, I think it's at the tail end, it's people like Matt Dowdy, who's a little bit older than us. And then, uh, you know, it catches guys like me and you. It's really like if you were sort of consuming media from 80 to 95, probably, mm -hmm. probably less so in the, it was probably the early 90s, really. But, um, you know, if you were sort of, if you had seen Robotech on TV and you sort of, you ever came across a Japanese magazine and you saw all these ads for those artists, um, it was like a deep impression. It was something that felt um, like a revelation, you know? Oh, yeah. Because their stuff was so different. You would always, you would always have a small section of their work in Hobby Link Japan. Yeah. There would always be like this little section there with their stuff and I would always skip to that part because everything else in that Hobby Link Japan was just Gundam or other big mech robots. Those guys were doing that right organic stuff that no one that I didn't see anyone else doing. No. It just didn't exist. I mean I think uh, I think you know there was this um there was like a facsimile in Japan for popular sci-fi movies around the early 80s, right? I think, um, you know, Geiger obviously influenced these guys. Uh, you can see Blade Runner in almost every every sort of thing they do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think of like Ko Yokoyama, Yoko, fuck, I'm going to fuck up his name, but Ko, K-O-W, let's just call him by his first name. Um, he did a lot of designs for Zoids, um, a lot of character designs. He he did a lot of like photo dioramas with these organic, um, uh, you know, armors and mechs and tanks. And um, I sort of used the Google Translate image program to look at one of his books. And he stated that the Zoid's pilot's characters that he was creating was him purposefully mixing Star Wars with Dune. Like he was just taking two Hollywood things and kind of mixing them together. Now, granted, this is Google Translate, you know, so I'm paraphrasing quite a bit. But, um, you know, I think I, not to say these guys weren't they didn't have original creation or inspiration of their own. But I think that um, Narasawa, especially I, would Narasawa exist without without Geiger, I wonder. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Oh yeah, because I think it, like yeah, when you when you think of the original Geiger alien design versus uh, Takeya yep. uh, alien design, you could see how more organic uh, Takeya would take uh, the biomech uh, Geiger Geiger design. Yeah, and I was having a conversation with with some other friends about how uh, I don't know, like the Japanese artists they they'll take things from america let's say mickey mouse and um what's his name that did uh astro boy um, um mm -hmm. he his his astro boy is uh is the design it was influenced from mickey mouse he didn't make he turned the uh the round ears into triangle yeah the uh widow is still is still there like he'll just contort like he'll just he, he'll take the design of a character because he liked that design right. and he'll contort it just a bit and make his own story and character, you know, 
with that creation. Same thing with uh, Takeya's Predator. Yeah, he's the only one. He was the first one to have the uh, when he sculpted his Predator, he would have the the inside teeth clenched, right, and then the mandible like sticking out, and it had an even more like visceral look versus the uh, always open mouth design that the model kits had, like the you know, yeah, the old model. Stuff. Oh, the predator's mouth was always open. Both mouths were always open. But once you clench the teeth, it gives it just a little. It's more, you know, more feral. Yeah, it kind of. Um, he sort of lended it more naturalistic tendencies, right? In a way, like to yeah. think of, um, to think of you know it as a living being, and how would it be in repose as a as you know, in comparison to being in action. I think that's a really sharp sort of mind. Like, it makes me think of, I think it was uh, William Stout or Jock, one of the concept artists on Jurassic Park, uh, and I'm probably totally off. It wasn't either of them. But, um, you know, when we think of the uh, Triceratops laying down, uh, you know, that's such an impactful scene. But somebody had to sort of design, one of the guys had to sort of draw what it would look like laying down you know it wasn't a simple are you still there yeah yeah okay sorry yeah Uh, even like yeah even just just that the pose of the 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 laying triceratops uh as an audience uh or as a viewer you could you could see the design the thoughtfulness yeah the thoughtfulness you didn't have to see the velociraptor moving all around and stuff you could you couldn't really see it like uh, even if you bring that back to the model kits, the American design aesthetic always had uh, the stat, the model kits or the statues always in a pose and an action pose. When you bring it back to Nirasawa or Takeya, most of the poses are always standing, so you you could take in the design. Like and and you didn't have to put them in an action pose because you knew what they were gonna do, if you know they were gonna do an action pose. By, by just having them just contort just a little bit, standing up, but just, you know, twist the arm or twist the spine, give a little bend to it. You knew what those characters were capable of. Yeah. You know, I think uh, thinking of Monstrous was his too, right? That was his line. Uh, who? Uh, Nurse Hall? Yeah. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, a, you know, a lot of, the artwork for that and a lot of the, the figures themselves have as uh, almost leisurely pose mm-hmm. to them. Right. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not the bent knee. Right. They're not, they, it's a stark contrast to like, you know, think of like Jim Lee X-Men or comic book covers right. where it's all in action media rests, you know, in the middle of a battle. And um, I think it takes really a, a bigger mind to take a step back and be like, okay, what is this creature or character like when they're just hanging out? You know, like <laughs> there's not, um, there's not this sort of call to action to it. And I think that's much more, it makes a bigger impact, you know, cause you see it as a being that doesn't only exist in action. It's capable of sort of nuance and subtlety. And it requires the viewer to uh, uh, use their imagination to, you know, come up with with stories of who these characters are. Because a lot of the stuff that I saw, like even at the inside the books, 
it was all in Japanese, so I had to almost like make up yeah. these people, these characters are. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, the it's it's kind of uh, sad in some ways that today we we have so many. We ha- you know we obviously we have the internet, we have um, you know Mandarake online, we have the Google Translate app. So the inaccessibility has sort of been minimized, not completely, but you know, I remember seeing like a flyer for Superfest or Wonderfest and just being like, I have no idea what this says. This seems like a place I want to go. Like, I don't know who any of these artists are. And it was, it w- you know, it, it was the equivalent of just seeing like an alien language or something or having first contact with, you know, being uh, from a different planet. And, uh, you know, that boundary has been erased a little bit. Like it's still, you know, you still kind of struggle when you're in Japan to get around and communicate and things like that. But, um, you know, the, the nineties were really like the last sort of, uh, barrier for that stuff. I remember like buying stuff from action ace or getting those Bandai, uh, Mega Man kits. And it was like, I can't believe I have access to this stuff, you know? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, especially with the conventions here, San San, like San Diego. I've been going to San Diego since 94, and I've seen it completely change. Like, some stuff, like, still is still there, but the whole thing, it's just so commercial, and and it's, you can't find, like, Japanese guys that that always have their booth there. Like, Nirosawa and Takei were used to to go there. I think the last year was probably 96, 97. Amazing. And they were the only ones, the only big ones right there. Yeah, you know, San Diego Comic-Con, I think, is unfortunately, um, I mean, it's it's just a, a funeral for what it used to be. Um, I This is actually the first year I'm not going in uh, 16 years or something like that. Oh, my God. Because, I, I mean, you know, it's just, like you said, it's not the same. It, it is it has become... Uh, just a playground for marketing executives, right? It's like the the film studios and the video game companies have an excuse to blow their marketing budget and get away from their wife and kids and just have, you know, a debaucherous weekend and party and hobnob with celebrities. And yeah, and it's almost become just like too sterile. I was just thinking about it today. Yeah. In the early 90s, there would be people, there was like these two girls wearing costumes and they had like big white wigs white makeup uh, long black uh, eyelashes and they were like dressed up in like this latex frilly type of uh, outfit and my cousin asked them like oh, who are you dressed up as and they just said oh we're dressed up as us yeah like you can just do that and that's probably like a remnant of like 70s and 80s sure Stuff where you can just like you can dress up like however you want, and no one's gonna make fun of you because you're at Comic Con, right? Yeah. Now everyone wants everybody. Everybody needs to dress up as Deadpool or Harley Quinn or any other red and black. What about costume. Joker, but wearing a Deadpool a Deadpool costume, <laughs> or Deadpool in a bathrobe? Oh man, that would be too crazy. I I can't even think about that. Wow, there's just like five of them. I was like, there's like no one does, no one can like 
just go all out crazy anymore. The the, the word masquerade and San Diego has that masquerade ball. But it's not. It's just it's movie it's studio advertising. It's literally yeah. these no, are the films no. I have seen and I made a costume <laughs> about this film and now I'm going to, you know, yeah. be a walking commercial for this film. I think the only person that's doing that now is is uh, probably Doctor A, because yeah. he has a unique uh, fashion uh, sense. Right. That whenever, if like, if he's like, I don't know, like a mile away on the other side of the convention, and he's wearing that, you know, that's Doctor A. Right. Well, but it's it's not a creative choice. He was in a Zeppelin accident. A uh, Penny Farthing well, hit a Zeppelin, and he uh-huh. had a clockwork heart put in so it's not actually it's medically necessary oh okay yeah i wasn't i wasn't aware of that yeah it's uh it's quite tragic actually um yeah i mean you know it's um we sound just like old grumps bemoaning you know the over commercialization of san diego but i think both of us are employed because of the over commercialization of uh nerd culture Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I get to do things because, you know, like with toy pizza, we get I get to do that stuff. So I think my work is more uh, independent, company based. Yeah, for sure. But do but, what I would hypothesize is, there are more consumers of this stuff because of the Hollywood glut of money. Maybe. I think so. I, I just think back to like when the Timothy Zane books came out for Star Wars and you, I would have to hide those at high school while I was reading them because n- nobody could find out I fucking like Star Wars. You know? And now it's like, if you don't like Star Wars, you're beat up by a bunch of uh, Tuscan writer cosplay guys. <laughs> I and I, I still remember when when the one of the when the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man uh, that first Spider Man movie came out, um, everyone was like, "Oh, you think you gotta watch it? You gotta watch it!" But none of them were reading the comic books, right? And if they found out that I was reading the comic books, then I would get shit on. Oh yeah, you're 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 the same audience that wants to watch the movie. Yeah, the movie, the comic books is not. Right. And it's still like that today. Who's reading the Avengers co- uh, comic book? I, I haven't bought a monthly serialized comic, and I couldn't even tell you because it's not. I mean, there's there's nothing there, right? Like it's no. all. I'm either if I am reading comic books, it's trades, and it's usually of old stuff, or I'm buying just you know old comics I had when I was a kid. I I don't understand. The consumer who's paying five dollars for a single issue that's half ads doesn't. I don't see the appeal in that. Maybe it's commuters. I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. I just wait for the trade, and I don't really buy too many stuff. And the stuff that I do buy, I rarely have time to crack it open to to finish it. I'll read the first five pages, and I'll go, "Oh, that's pretty good." I'll finish yeah. it sometime, and I, I never do. Yeah, with the exception of maybe Saga. I don't think I've consumed anything from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not a whole lot. I don't, I, I don't know. I just feel it's for a different person in a different time and place. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, Getting to toy design and sculpting process and things like that. um, I think that, uh, I think historically people are going to look back at you in the same way they look at Nirasawa and, um, you know, a lot of the the older class of sculptors. I, I don't think you're quite at that level yet, but I think, um, you know, you're becoming more and more commonplace and uh, obviously your follower count is indicative of that. And, uh, you know, people just generally, I haven't met anybody who says an ill word about you. Oh, really? Uh, I don't know. I guess that's happening, but I haven't. I I almost feel myself. I don't, I'm not trying to give myself ego, but I consider my me and and Anthony Soak as almost like the sculptor sculptor. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Toys designer, like they know, like only they know who we are. But to anyone else out in the public, they don't know who who made these figures. Yeah, but I, I would say. Less so for Ant, but you have the appeal of um, your, you know, traditional artwork as well, which I think is, mm-hmm. is probably where the majority of people sort of know you from. Now. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and it's weird to me, too. When I, so when I post the uh, sculpture stuff on, on, uh, on social, that doesn't get as many likes as uh, <laughs> my drawing. I don't know how that happened. But... Yeah, that is kind of bizarre, right? I it, to me it's more attractive if you can have something in 3D that you you can sort of touch like that's more interesting. But I guess you know we're sort of in an economy of images and disposable images. You know people just want to like flick through a feed and and kind of see bright colors and drawings. Right. And yeah. It's totally the colors too. Yeah. All yeah. the sculpture that I do, it's all in epoxy, so it's just that uh, brown gray color. So. That's not as attractive. Yeah. Um, on the uh, sculpture tip, what is your, I'm sure people would like to know what your process is like. I've been fortunate enough to kind of see you, you know, see each of the steps, but um, how do you, you know, you, you get a piece of 2D art, you got to translate into a sculpt. How are you going to approach that? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get the 2D art. Um, I will draw that design onto uh, uh, a photo or another drawing of the actual figure that I'm drawing on. Like, say, for example, a nice the slice figure mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the night, the old night that we did. Yeah. I'll draw that old night design based on uh, the previous design, make some tweaks and uh, make sure everything design-wise fits onto uh, the final drawing. And then uh, after that gets uh, approved, I move on to the uh, the sculpt, which I use uh, epoxy putty. And I'll sculpt right on top of a, a, a night figure. And uh, usually the uh, sculpt doesn't necessarily uh, truly match the, the the drawn design, but I make tweaks enough so that uh, 
that the design uh, gets plussed from the original design and mm -hmm. also that the uh, design also uh, doesn't um, uh, impede on the articulation. Yeah, all good points to sort of follow. Um, I, I think that there's a, you know, when you talk about Ninja Turtles, the thing that always struck me about getting a Ninja Turtle figure was you had to kind of turn it over in your hands and, and look almost under a microscope to see all of the different details that were put on there, um, especially with asymmetry. You know, I think we're in a world of 3D outputs and you can spot 100% a toy that's been 3D rendered. You know, some, some of the artists are a little better about going in after they mirror something and kind of tweaking it, but, you know, we've sort of lost the, the foibles of hand sculpting, you know? And I think that's, uh, I, I'm glad that we can kind of work to preserve a little bit of that um, in today's age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I always appreciated that stuff too. And I think that's almost inherent of uh, when I do my sculpt, because I have to, because I'm using epoxy putty, I have to sculpt in layers. When you look at a, uh, at a turtle's figure, you can see the layers of, of detail that's like, you know, put on and then put on top of over the previous stuff. So I kind of have to, like, I, that's the only way I can uh, sculpt. Um, Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Um, if you could sort of be hired for a project for somebody else's IP, who is the character that you would sort of most like to render or do your version of? Too probably Predator is mm. the first thing that comes to mind. Anything Predator? Any anything anything that has like creature uh, to it? I, I've I've had some ideas of of bootleg stuff where I want to uh, mash He Man and and turtles together. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to see a uh, uh, a, a, a turtle. A uh, hand, that three-fingered hand, but in flesh color. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of. That's like when the uh, Simpsons cut away to, like a, oh, yeah. no, real. a Caucasian, real version <laughs> of them. <laughs> I always wanted to see that, but then I saw Super Seven is gonna do a, uh, a turtles line. Like, I don't think they're gonna do that, but I want them to do that since they have both properties. Yeah, that'd be funny. What about ET smoking a joint? <laughs> Oh my god! And uh, uh, but he's but he's but he's Mister T. Whoa! Oh Whoa, my god! Slow down, man. I think we just started a T-shirt company. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, what are the other sort of um, like really dense inspirational? things that people should be checking out that they may not know about. Like Narasau is a great example. Um, you know, is there something else that's, that's really potent that you feel like people are not looking at or paying attention to that's had a sort of profound impact on, on you? Oh, um, kind of, uh, not recently, but when I started 
uh, going to more conventions, Monster uh, Palooza. There was another artist named uh, Paul Komoda. Are you familiar with uh, Yeah, Paul did a lot of work on uh, Toy Biz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, before I knew that, I, I was looking at all his uh, creature uh, design and his he has a, like this dark horror uh, aesthetic to all his work and it was such a surprise to know that he was doing these uh, 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 mm-hmm. actor likenesses yep. for the Toy Biz stuff. Yeah, I was like, well, like this guy is profound. Like he does, he does everything. He did Geiger stuff as well, like the jewelry. He was doing that. He's almost the the uh, Western version of uh, Nirosawa yeah. or Takeo. But he's Asian himself, so I think they, he carries some of that stuff too, because I think when he was a kid, he grew up on a lot of uh, Ultraman and Kaiju movies. So that's I, I think you're 100% right. And yeah, Paul is a multidisciplinary type of artist. He can do a lot of different styles, but I, I do feel like yeah, he's um, he definitely carries that with him, and he's uh, the guy's been super talented, and I think people would be surprised to learn a lot of this the uh, you know commercial sort of superhero stuff that he's done. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a absolute great example of one of them. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I forget, I don't know who else. There's like a bunch of people on Instagram. Um, I know uh, Eric Jacobus uh, Eric is having a Jacobus? show. Uh, uh, yeah, Jacobus. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a few pieces that. Uh, at he the, did, uh, and he. I got to tell you, show. he has come a long way. He is become a very fantastic sculptor. I think he worked for NECA back in the day, or may still sort of do some work for them. But I. Oh. I think I met Eric probably about a decade ago. We, I think at some point he was working on or did a test page for a Rex Gannon comic that just never came together. Um, and he was, I mean, I've gone through, I've burned through probably a dozen different artists on Rex Gannon related stuff that never went anywhere. Um, but he would, he sort of started out just really sculpting his head you know, a stylized version of him on Star Wars bodies or, you know, whatever figure he could get a hold of and reiterated on that for years and years and years. And then suddenly now he seems to be doing, well, not suddenly, but I guess gradually he worked up to doing completely ground up sculpts with a style all his own. And it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, his stuff is really good. Him, um, a custom. Oh, uh, Adam Crone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AC so. Customs. He not only is he uh, a patron AC. of my Patreon, but yeah, he is a he's a really, really good customizer, and I think he's a good candidate for doing more and more sort of production toy work at, at some point in the future. I think he's going to get there. Yeah, that's very cool. Oh, there's another guy too. Uh, 
I don't know if you're familiar with him. He goes by. No, I think I would remember meeting somebody who had that Christian name. <laughs> he he does a he does a lot of uh, uh, resin uh, model kit type stuff. Uh, uh, you can see his influences from Geiger to uh, Takeya and Narasawa, and uh, he has his own take on it too. You can see his his style over there. Uh, Excellent. I'll designs. check him out, and I'm sure the audience will check him out as well. Um, so I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, is there anything? Wh- where can people follow you? You know, is there anything you want to promote? Is it at Irwin Papa on Instagram? Um, yeah, uh, at Irwin. There's Papa. another Irwin Papa, Papa out there. You find him. There is another Irwin Papa. Yeah, you can follow okay, him okay. too, but I think he's private. I have a message. Him. Yeah, there's that guy too. Um, if anyone is in Southern California in the Long Beach area, we'll have our. our Hello, welcome. Closing show, March 9th from 7 p.m. to midnight. Uh, there will be more info. We'll, we'll post about it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Erwin. And uh, we, I'm sure your follower count is going to triple overnight once this is posted. Get ready for the fame. Well, uh, the only thing left to say is pizza out. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Don't stop on it.